Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, I'd love to highlight all of these. I mean, I like to make these announcements because there's so many good things going on. If you're having financial problems, I mean, Dave Ramsey's the man. He's going to help you out. I uh, Kind of his spiritual father was uh, Larry Burkett. So way back in the, when I was in my 20s, uh, we engaged with that. It changed our lives. It really did. I mean, it, it taught us to, how to live a, a, dis, a more disciplined life with our finances and how to plan for our futures. And, and I'm so glad we did because now we're in the future and the future is good. So, so in your 20s, 30s, 40s, wherever you are, you can turn this thing around and really build some uh, positive things in your life that can remove so much fear. Also, the other thing was the conference. The conference... I'm so excited about it, and I encourage you to, to sign up for this. It's, it's more than just a conference this time. It's really a party. You know, we're celebrating 25 years together. We need everybody there from the church. We have, we have a, a kind of a little flow of uh, new signups coming in this past week. I encourage you now to get in uh, with this kind of a, a group that's coming. I think we're going to have a great crowd there, and I don't want you... Missing out, people do miss out on this, and I don't want you missing out on it. I think you're going to experience in these types of conferences, particularly when you got four people that are kind of on the prophetic leaning side, prophetic words come forth. And if you're there in the, I mean, words come to you, words come over the church, things happen, dynamics happen. I've always liked conferences for that, for the speakers, for the worship. But knowing that there's something that it's like the festivals of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jewish festivals, you come together, there's something for you in it that you may not be counting on, but it will be there. So check it out. Join up with the party that's starting in uh, September. Hey, turn with me if you can to Ephesians. I've been in Ephesians. I've been stuck there for a couple of weeks. It's a good place to be stuck. I talked about the first three chapters. They're mystical. They're, they're amazing. Of the of the of who God is and what He's given to us and afforded to us, the very power we have through Jesus Christ, and then you hit chapter four, five, and six, and they get very practical, deeply practical. And what it is, what I've been talking about the past two weeks, it's a blossoming of the purpose and intent of God expressed in the church. I need to tell you, I need to give you a disclaimer right now. I am a church person. I've been in church since I was two weeks old. Free Methodist Church on Madison Road in Lakewood. I was uh, kind of uh, teased on those uh, pews that were there. And uh, I remember falling asleep and laying out. You know, it's hard to sleep on a pew, but when you're, when you're uh, two, three years old, you can sleep anywhere. And, uh, and then we went over to uh, a Baptist church, a Cleveland Baptist church, where I gave my heart to Jesus. My life has been affected by people who have aligned themselves with the intentions of heaven. And the intentions of heaven, as we saw in Scripture the past couple weeks, and we'll see in just a minute, he is aligned toward a group of people getting together because his purpose in the church is many become one. He likes that concept. He likes when people 
get together and become one. You can't do that on your own. You have to get with other people that may not be like you and may even be people that you, you don't like. Isn't that terrible? You could find someone you don't like in this church. But there will be people you like too. But why does the Lord do that? This is a, a masterful creation of God that the church can come forth in what we saw last week in the manifold wisdom of God that we speak to the world. There's a purpose in our corporate getting together. I know there's churches and houses or small churches, things like that. I have no problem with that. I mean, but I do know there's certain things that need to happen in a church that cannot happen in a small group. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers need to emerge. I mean, as I mentioned last week, all the things that were involved in the early church uh, need to be in the churches today, the components that were there. The sharing of the Eucharist together, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, which we offer every week and focus on once a month. I mean, all these things worshiping together, which is very different than the first century, but it's a cultural expression of where we are right now. And out of this thing called the church or the ecclesia, not only are we pleasing God as we learn to love one another. Here's what I want you to get in your mind in the next, next few minutes, that this is a love laboratory. It's been on my mind all week. And when you read through Ephesians, you see love sown through it. You read through Corinthians. Actually, there's, there's uh, what is it, chapter 10, 11, 12, those three chapters, you've got, you've got uh, gifts introduced. Then there's a chapter that is all about love. And then there's a chapter about more gifts and how to use them and how to order them in a church gathering. And so you see the Lord saying, this is the rhythm of heaven. Gifts, learning to love, giving out love through those gifts, more gifts giving, learning how to order those gifts properly, when to use them, when not to use them, learning to discern, love, give, love, give. For God so loved the world, he gave his only. The gifts that you are in the church, your one part, when it comes together with many, creates something beautiful in heaven. I was talking to someone this week in another country, actually, and uh, we got on the subject, and I talked about what I mentioned two weeks ago about you know, how Jesus came in and brought simplification and brought, he took complexity and simplified it. And yet the simple things that Jesus asked are profound. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's a lot right there. Loving the Lord with everything you have. And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you like yourself? Anyone here? There's two or three of you. It's okay to like yourself but you have to love others the same way you like yourself. If you don't like yourself, you may, you may affect others in the way you treat yourself. You don't like yourself, you're not gonna like others. There's gonna be a lot of things that come out. So anyway, oneness is so important. And I wanna show you a verse, a couple of verses here if you turn with me. Uh, but what God does in this, in this oneness here is that he begins to express himself through you in this love laboratory here that when you leave it, you are a carrier of what happened in here. You're a carrier of encouragement through prophecy. You're, you're a carrier of healing of your soul and your mind. You're going out of this place. You become what the Bible says in, I just referred to it a few minutes ago. It's slipping my mind where I saw, I think it's in Corinthians, where you're diffusing the fragrance of God everywhere you go. 
I just heard a story this week about a guy who works on the southern border of the United States. How many of you know that's a, that's a tough job right now? And he has won many awards. He's a believer. He's part of a local church. He believes in the supernatural power of God. So he's checking as people are coming across the border. He has, he has all the regular things they check for, but he has an unusual knack, which they do not understand, for discerning cars that have drugs in them. He's like a dog sniffing uh, drug guy. I mean, he just says, you know, that car, the Holy Spirit speaks to him, says that car is a problem. He has uncovered more trafficking of people and more drugs than hardly, like anyway, he's got awards for it. And they were just talking about how an interview with him and how he says, you know what, I don't know. I just sense this thing in the spirit. It's because I hang out with godly people and the spirit of God moves through. I mean, that's the kinds of things. You say, how does this work with my job? Well, I don't know where you work, but I can tell you the Holy Spirit wants to do something in that place. And you are the diffuser. You are the one to bring the very presence of God into that place from what you get in this week and in this service and in these conferences and things that we do. So first one I want to read, I'm going to do it real quick because I just want to touch on this. I read this last week, Ephesians 3, 8 through 12. I will not get through it, but I just want you to see a few things. Ephesians 3, uh, 8 through 12 is about the blossoming of a culture that emerges out of knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. And that emerging culture causes you to realize you're not meant to be alone. You are meant to be joined together and fixed with other people of like faith. And out of that place, you gain strength, you gain understanding, you gain transformation so that you can go out from there. So in verse eight, it says this. It says, blah, blah, blah. Verse, let's go to verse nine. Why do we do this? Why is this happening? Paul's concluding this in verse in uh, chapter three in order to go into the practical measures of four, five, and six. He says, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. People are supposed to be seeing something in the church that they're not seeing anywhere else. Thank you. Well, you say, when are we going to solve all these problems? The church is at the core of this whole situation in America. I mean, the Afghan situation right now that is horrendous and could get very horrifying here over the next week or two. I mean, people feel so helpless. I'm reading it on the internet, you know, and I'm saying, you know what? We can pray. We can send money. We can support. I mean, we've, we've got some guys right here in Ohio uh, that, are, that are on the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan right now, and they are helping people across while they're buying slaves out of the desert there, uh, even in Pakistan. These are things he told me I could share without mentioning his name. So those things are going on right now. In fact, last time he went down there, we helped purchase, I think it was five people out of the desert. The children had been slaves their entire lives and knew nothing about freedom. I think one of them didn't even know who their parents were, but they, they kind of got what they could out of that. They brought them into Pakistan. They have them in safe houses and they're taking care of them and basically getting them washed in the word of God and washed in good Christian fellowship and things like that because this guy's planted churches over there. This is what Christians do. We affect culture. We have a culture that transcends earthly cultures. But the church has been weak. The church has been self-centered many times. What are my needs? But there's something, why is that such 
a target for the enemy where he wants to attack churches because he knows the potential and the intent of heaven for churches that if we find one another, we join together and the power of God hits that, we know there's a multiplication of effect that comes out of that. But they should be able to look at the church and said, we know they are Christians, see them as they are Christians, an old 70s slogan, how they love one another. Behold how they love one another. Christians, when they're together, it is the most powerful evangelism tool in the world is that we get together, we love one another. And when you get that culture of problem solving through love and forgiveness, I mean, some of us have to forgive a lot now in our culture. And when I was reading through scripture, which I'll read this next part here in a minute, I saw some, so much of what's happening in culture right now. And yet the need for us, you can do something major for this city by joining together and being one in a local church. And if it's not here, go somewhere else. There's great churches here in the city and I can recommend some to you. But if this is it, find your place and become a part because we are demonstrating, we are, the intent is to demonstrate the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent, this is the intention of God, that the now manifold wisdom of God, which I mentioned last week, might be known, made known by the church. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, we have a reason that we're here together. Just tell them that. <laughs> we're here we're here for a reason. We're gonna make known by the church, Bethel Cleveland is called to make known into Brunswick, this entire region, to principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says, in, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through him. So the Jesus church, as you find in, in chapters three through six, I'm giving you a summary here. It's an equipped church. It does works of ministry, regardless of what your vocation is. It's pure and it's holy. It walks in the light. It walks in sacrificial love with sweet smelling aroma. Paul brings that up also in Ephesians. It's a church that speak and sing to one another. Have you done that recently? We sing to the Lord. I don't know how much we sing to one another. That's a good thing. Let's start some singing groups. Growth groups where we sing to one another. We've done it prophetically. Well, it says in the New Testament church, speaking and singing to one another and to Jesus. Woo! I love you, Lord. I love you, Bob. Yeah, that's appropriate. Marital harmony as a sign of Christ's love to the church. It's all in Ephesians. Families of honor living long on the earth. When you get a family that does the right things, they live long. Yeah. Business frameworks, how to, how to work with, with those that are working for you. All through the, these are the blossoming of the things of God. And finally, in chapter six, it says that we put on God's armor and learn how to stand. And the armor, by the way, this is an old sermon that's come around for whole time I've been alive, but there's no armor for your back because you stand forward. When you turn your back, you are vulnerable. But when you stand forward, forward with the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the helmet of salvation, you gird your loins with truth. You put on the, the, the shoes of, 
of the gospel of peace. I mean, you're ready for the day. I don't care where you work. So the church is a laboratory. Now we go to Ephesians 4. Follow with me over to Ephesians 4, chapter 1. I want to read a bunch of verses here. I'm going to explain them briefly. And then, like I always say, we're going to go have chicken or something like that. Okay, so chapter 4, it says in Ephesians, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. In other words, I'm calling on you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What is that calling? What have you been called to as a believer in Jesus Christ? God shows us here through Paul in just a minute. He says, you were called with all lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. We are called together. This is all in the church context. We are called together to be together, to bear with one another in love. Love is the glue in the church. Where there's no love, churches fall apart. Where there's love, churches grow endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen to this. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You get the impression Paul likes this word. One God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. One, 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 one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Good number. One. Oneness is a value of heaven. When you hear about churches splitting, God's not excited about that. When you hear about churches starting and people gathering together, it's important. It's interesting. How did the church start? It started on the day of Pentecost. How did it start? They were there 10 days. I referred to it about a month ago. 10 days in an upper room waiting for the promise to come. But there seems to be in Scripture something that they did that brought this promise about as well as the sovereignty and, and uh, um, providential understanding of God. In his usual way of partnering with mankind, God is there. Why didn't he come on the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the ten days? It says, and they were in one accord. When oneness comes... Uh, an incredible blessing pours out. Now, I'm not talking about something superficial. Let's all hold hands in a circle and sing kumbaya. I mean, that's not a bad thing. That's a good starter kit to get things going. But it's actually looking in the eyes of other people, speaking to other people, and using the gift that God's given you to build up that other person. When you do that, the bonds of love begin to form in the church. So it says here in verse, let's jump to verse seven because of time. Remember, this is many to one, many to one, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You have a grace for something. Verse 11 says this, I'm skipping now. And he himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? Churches are supposed to have leadership, men and women, by the way. There's no male or female in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men and women that are in key roles expressing themselves, using the gifts that they have, that are gifts that were given by Jesus Christ when he descended and ascended into high places, as it says in this passage. Why are they here? For the equipping. Now, this word equipping is interesting because it's not, I mean, I think we know what it means. You know, you're getting someone ready for something. But actually, Paul uses a metaphor here. 
he pulls in a metaphor and says the, the equipping, which is the word they use for preparing a house for a guest. It refers to complete furnishing, individual parts, working together in correct order, preparing, perfecting, creating what ought to be. So when you come in under a local church, there needs to be equipping that is pulling everything together for what's properly right, creating the guest house for the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit to come. And it says for the work, for the saints, for the work of, of ministry, which is waiting on ta tables, literally volunteering, for the edification, which is an interesting word too, it's, it's a, it has domain in the word, it's architectural design and build of the body of Christ. So you have leaders that are sent by Jesus. We know there's some that are not. You need to take care of that. And they get removed. But the purpose of heaven, the intent of heaven is godly men and women that help build, they work the dough of the body of Christ. They build them up together so that they can be individually sent out as missionaries in the places they go, coming back to that body and being welded together in love. They're learning how to love people. I mean, if anyone says to you, I don't wanna to go to church because everyone's kind of messed up. You just say, yes. That's the intention. If you don't need God, you don't come. It's a laboratory of broken people learning how to love one another. And part of love, one of the weapons of love is forgiveness. But I'm finding the church doesn't forgive much nowadays. They, if they get offended, they leave. They break off, which is actually the very lesson that we need to learn as individuals as a part of a church. I've been here 25 years now, and, a, and another month I've been here 25 years. I mean, we've seen a lot of people come through here. I've stayed. How many of you know that there's been times I didn't want to stay? Let's just say within the past couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, there's, there's always this like, oh, you know, this would be easier, or that would be better. Or, you know, it's just, it's, it's, the, it's the rhythm of life, you know. But I committed in my heart, Cindy too. Cindy left a few times, but she came back. I'm just joking. <laughs> just a joke. We're committed to stay because something about this local church body is welding us together and training us in godliness just by being present. We are building relationships. We're learning to love. We're learning to forgive. We're, we're learning to discern and understand where people are and help move them from where they are into, into greater places in God. Why? For the edification of the body of Christ, for the edification, the building up, the creating and designing of a structure for the Lord that has a guest room in it for him. That's you. How long are we going to do this? Verse 13 answers that. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Woo! That's when we'll know we're done. When we have hundreds of Jesuses walking around. Hundreds of people, they get it. They understand this is about love. This is about joy. This is about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. It's top three hits in heaven, as I said earlier. It should be the top hits in our life as a church. When people come, I've been considering stripping our subtitle out 
for our church, uh, you know, from heaven to earth or whatever it is right now, and putting in there just simply love, joy, peace. This is what we long for. Is it like it all the time? No, because we have people here, including a pastor. And sometimes there's, there's, there's not the love. Sometimes there's not the joy. Sometimes there's not the peace, but our passion and desire as we grow together. And I love being around people for decades. We have some people in here that been, we've been together for, I don't know, well, some of them for 40 years. You know, went to school with a couple of them. One since fourth grade, one since junior high. I mean, there's some long relationships in here. And I want to tell you something. The love does grow deeper the longer you hang together. And the trust grows deeper the longer you hang together. And the openness of communication grows greater the longer you've been together. The longer someone's been with me, the more open they can be with me. You ever notice that? You can speak, as it says in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love. So as you've been baptized in love, you're able to speak truth. In a marriage, you're able to speak truth over time because of love. Let's read on here. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and the crafting cunningness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. There it is again. May grow up in all things into him who's the head, Christ. Look at this, verse 16. From whom the whole body, this is the church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working. In other words, everyone's got to do what they do well. The effective working by which every part does its share causing growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. That is the building template right there. Working together, sharing together. Do you know there's people in this room that have expertise? Probably everyone in this room in some area of your life. People, even if it's not in your primary job, some of you have hobbies, you have desires, you have dreams. Some of you have gardens. Some of you have collections that you collect. Some of you have old cars that you drive around these these car rallies, you know, and I mean, you've got passions. Some of you play golf and things like that. You look at who you are and what God's brought you individually. When you begin to bind that together into a local church, I'm talking about really doing this, not just sitting in a pew or sitting in a seat, but saying, I want to be a part of what God is building through his Holy Spirit. When you do that, something great begins to emerge, especially as every part does its part fits into the role. There's something amazing. I want to tell you, it pleases heaven. This is the Jesus dream. He wants a church. It's a crazy thought. Without spot or wrinkle. And he created the church to be a, a laboratory of love that at some time in the future, the city will look into the church as they've done in Redding, California. They'll say, we have a problem. Can you solve it? And they show up in thousands and solve the problem, whether it's graffiti on bridges or whatever it is, whether it's a, a, a civic center that is going bankrupt and the church comes in and leases it for five years and creates profit and then gives it back to them. That's in Reading. I mean, the ideas are numerous that have come through as a church gets united together, the effect it can have on the community just being what God's called them to be. Forming an army of lovers of God. 
what Heidi Baker calls laid down lovers. And we're just, we're just before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. But we come out in the community. We're not weird and religious kind of a thing. We're coming out in the community and say, how might I help you? So it says the whole body's joined together and amazing things happen. I did bring this uh, puzzle with me. You know, I love puzzles. I've used them over the years. And uh, I just want to close with, Jay, you can come up. Maybe you can help me with this. But uh, this is a thousand piece puzzle. Let's just say this is the church. This is the church. God's put all, you're in here somewhere. Somebody, somebody is all blue today. Right here. We prayed for you. Good. This represents different giftings. I mean, you get one and you're like, wow, this one's green. I don't know what that, what does that mean? It's money, I think. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Wow, who wants this one, anybody? Just throw it out there, okay. Now there you go. Hopefully there's no lawsuits from that. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Let me just, let me just give you a few of these here. I'm walking out of the uh, camera, everybody ready? I don't want any eyes or anything. Let's see. There we go. Custodian's not going to like me, but. All right. Put some up here. Here we go. Other side. All right. This is either going to be really great or really stupid, so you know. We're going to get some there. There's some in the, uh, in the aisles here if you need some there. Sorry, Kathy. All right, get some over here. There. Okay, now pick up one of these. Did anyone not get one? In the back, of course. If I was Tom Brady, I could have got it to you. All right, got some. Yeah, here we go. It's good, all right? Back row here. Surely something. Did you get one? There you go. Green, sorry, I can't pick all the green ones, but there's someone here, okay. If you're a visitor here, we don't do this every Sunday. But I feel it's important. All right, so get your piece. There we go, some. All right. Get some there. Oh, yeah. Good job. All right. All right. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Them. There you go. Some of you have more than one piece. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're over here, huh? All right, good. Oh, hey, I got one. It's green. <laughs> it rolled right up to me. So you get these pieces. Now think about it. The church today in America is a bunch of pieces in a box going around and shaking it up. We have pieces in here. But the purpose of God is this. Now, I got this cheap at Mark's, but I thought it really described there's a bridge and there's a castle and there's a mountain. So when Jesus looks upon Bethel Cleveland, he sees the box cover and he's yearning and saying, put it together. There is power when you put it together. And he's not just talking about the church. He laid out key laboratories in our life to work on. One is marriage. The Bible says the two shall become one. There's the oneness again. He wants two to become one. Marriage is actually a picture. It's a prototype of the church. You get together and you love that person because you've seen them in their best way, their best means, your 
your entire dating period. <laughs> then you get married. <laughs> I'm like, wow. All right. It didn't happen to me, but I, I know it happens to other people. <laughs> it happened to Cindy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So you decide then, you start putting pieces together. What do you do? You lay out a framework first, right? Yeah. That's the way you put a puzzle together. You lay out a framework for your life. I really believe this is a God purpose that you lay out frameworks yeah. for churches. You lay frameworks for marriages. That's why this Dave Ramsey thing is a framework in your life. It gives you spirit rituals spirituals, where you can frame out your life. And then in God, this, this, I do this in my, my map training, but I use, the, I use this puzzle, these puzzles. But you basically, every bad, good, and ugly situation in your life becomes a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And it may look dark, but that dark has a purpose. It could be the trees here in the mountains. And there's some light things that are kind of fun. And there is a castle in there that you're going to find. And, you know, as soon as you find a few castle pieces, you're like, let's put the castle together. And then you have a huge piece that you can put right over in the puzzle. This happens in our life. And periodically, in a conference or something like that, God shows us the box cover. It's a prophecy. It goes like this. And everyone's like, I never thought that about the church before. Did you see that? I didn't see anything. I was looking at my phone. Man, get focused, man. God's speaking here right now. He did it again, look. God wants something bigger than just my peace. I can't just carry around my peace. One peace will not bring you peace. But when the pieces come together, when you get a framework for what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be doing it, which I'm preaching on right now, all of a sudden then for a period of time, it's like this, study this. This is where we're going, a castle on a river that makes glad the people of God with a nice stony bridge going over it. Everyone's allowed in. Come on over with mountains in the background where we ascend the mountain of the Lord. I love this. So prophetic, you know. So we want this. How do we do it? We can't have this with one or two or three pieces. We can only have it if you say, I want to build a puzzle with you. I want to be a part of what you're bringing together. I mean, there's so many amazing scriptures. I'm out of town, but I, out of town, I'm out of time. <laughs> it must have been that mint I had or something. But yeah. And the church becomes a lab, learning to live principles to transform the word, world. And forgiveness is a part of the repair kit that is given to the church. I don't, I don't know if you're watching the news right now. There is major need for the church to speak up. And I'm not talking about political things. I mean, I, I love politics. My dad was a politician. But I'm talking about with solutions that are, that are transcending every other solution. The Afghanistan thing is a catastrophe. There are better solutions that God wants to bring. And I, I'm just saying, you know, we can say, hey, run for office. All those things are good things to do, and I'm sure they help. But the church coming together and exhibiting a counterculture that is attractive to the world is the best bet for the United States of America. So, so the world needs to see a church being one. And I don't think we have it right now, but we're on our way. At Bethel Cleveland, all we can, all we can pray for is really us and act upon that. Let's stand together if we can.
Yeah, Jay and his wife, Ashley, who's my daughter, and their three dear little kids had to move back into our house a week and a half ago because they're between houses. They sold their house, and, uh, and they're going to get another one. So now we have two fridges. One is the Brogan fridge. One is the wet fridge. And we found out early on that sometimes the fridge's stuff gets mixed up, you know. Like, you may have some cereal, but the milk's in the other fridge. And it reminded me of when Ashley came home from college or, or training school. Uh, she came back home. She was used to being on her own, so she brought her own products into the house and put them in the fridge with her name written on it and a Sharpie. <laughs> and she was gone one day, working. While she was gone, I wrote on every item in the fridge, wit. Or dad, I wrote dad, I'm sorry, I wrote dad. Dad has the corn, dad has everything. She came home, she opened the fridge, she goes, what's the deal? Everything in here says dad on it. I said, well, I just wanted you to know what's mine. You, I thought you labeled yours, so I thought that's what we need to do. She goes, well, I need some of this stuff. And I said, it's dad's. But I'd like some of your grapes there, you know, in the Ashley side of the fridge. So when she came back in, I was reminded of that. And now she's got a whole family, a whole troop of kids, you know, and they got their fridge, we got ours. And we found out that when we start cooking, that some of the items are in the other fridge. It's like, we need tomatoes. Well, they're out on the deck. Cindy raised tomatoes, go get those. Okay, we got they're, they're free for anybody. They're out on the deck. But there are some things in the broken fridge that we're gonna need. Okay, they bring their, their beans for the tacos. We have our lettuce, we have our tomatoes. Hey, does anyone have any any chips or anything with us? Yeah, yeah. We have them in the Brogan pantry, which is also by the fridge in the laundry room. And so I found out over these past couple weeks, I thought, thus is the kingdom of heaven. Your fridge and my fridge, there's only certain things I can do with my fridge. But if your fridge is nearby and you're willing to join your fridge with mine, we can have some amazing food. And the Lord spoke to me and said, beauty comes out of unity. Yes. And so we can, we can make something amazing out of your beans and my tortillas and a little bit of guac somewhere, maybe in the neighbor's fridge. But we're going to bring it over and we're going to make something beautiful. And as we're eating, it's like this is a beautiful fragrance unto the Lord. That is the church. That is what we're building here a master burrito unto the Lord. And he smiles from heaven like, this is the love I'm looking for. This is the joy as you eat. And this is the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 